It's time to become a member of Playvolution HQ and Exploration's Early Learning. There's a free option and three paid patron-level options. All come with free stuff and ongoing automatic training and merch discounts. For as little as a dollar a month, you can become a patron. That supports our work and you get premium stuff like early access to fresh podcast episodes. Go to explorationsearlylearning.com slash membership or click the link in this episode's description to learn more. All the cool listeners are doing it. On with the show. Welcome to the Child Care Bar and Grill Podcast. Jeff Johnson here, Samantha Balch over there. How are you doing, Samantha? Uh, pretty good, actually. Look at this little penguin I made. I, you can't see it. This is a podcast. I can see it, though. Little penguin. That it's is cool. a lot more penguiny than the uh, the, the other one was kind of a bluish greenish, I think. Is, uh, this one is like a bluish green. This, yeah. I, so uh, this, is a, this is a crochet pattern that I made up. That's a cute little, it's like a little baby one to the other one. I wanted to try and make a baby penguin for a toddler I know who loves the penguins at her local zoo. There we go. Um, I mean, that's, that's theater of the mind as far as pod goes. Um, Listeners, they were crocheted penguins. They were delightful. So Sam. Penguin, but worse. And that's what I did. Yeah. We were messaging about what we're going to talk about today earlier. And you mentioned uh, a pizza farm. Oh man. Okay. So I had a friend visiting about a month ago at this point. Hi Meg. And she started talking to me about pizza farms. And I said, I don't know what you're saying. Those are two words. But when you put those words together, I do not understand the context. And she explained to me that apparently there is this thing called a pizza farm where all of the ingredients for pizza is grown on this one farm. And there are several of them. Like there are all sorts of them. They're like culinary pizza farms or like educational pizza farms. So you, you grow the tomatoes, you grow the wheat, you have the cows that you milk to make the cheese, and then you make pizza and people bring chairs and come eat the artisanal pizza from your farm. What about the, you didn't mention pepperoni. Uh, no, you can do that too. Apparently people like have, what's pepperoni? I don't eat meat. What's pepperoni? That's that pig pepperoni. I think pepperoni is like the leftovers of the cows and the yes. pigs. Okay, sure. So then that, whatever that animal is, I feel like it's pig. I feel like it's pork. I don't know. Um, yeah, a day that's a whole like a, it's a holistic thing. They got a butcher, they got a cheesemaker, they got a candlestick maker. Well, you got yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah. for that romantic pizza evening, that sounds yeah. delightful. Um, no, I you mentioned this, and I got I spent my whole afternoon daydreaming about it. I, I thought it would be I would like something more where you could just go out to the uh, out to the field and and pick the pizzas. Uh, oh yeah, already no, that made. sounds great too. I, I, and then you can take the pizzas home. You can put the pizzas on your other food you can make pizza butter yeah. um yeah 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 it'd be delightful uh when it comes to pizza sam are you what what, what kind of crust person are you oh okay okay this is this is a good one i don't like my crust ultra thin like a cracker mm-hmm. and i don't like it incredibly thick 
I'm, I feel like I'm a very happy medium kind of person, but I love when the crust gets like, you know, when you, you're at like one of those fancy pizza places and they're like, it's $20 for this pizza and the pizza's only as big as an infant's head. And you're like, wait, I thought this was going to be more pizza mm-hmm. and it isn't. Um, but it gets like a little bit, like they got the bubbles and there's like a little bit of cracky Bernie. Yeah. I like the cracky Bernie. I'm, I'm a thin crust guy, but it's mostly carb related. I don't want all those carbs. Oh, I want, I want the carbs. Oh, you, you, can, have, the you can have the carbs. I'll, I'll send you extra carbs that we got Please here. do. So, uh, our, our topic for today, we're going to start, uh, we're going to start a series. I think we're going to call it unpacking, unpacking temperament. Oh, and, uh, we'll make this unpacking temperament part one. And, um, so look, I actually, I actually did some research on this one. And so temperament, I think is a, it's a, it's a really important thing to consider when you're working with human children and interacting with other human beings and trying to make it through the world existing your, in a society yeah. your own self um so temperament is kind of my understanding now is that temperament is kind of a kind of inborn biological slash built into the dna traits and so there's a connection temp your your bits of temperament are kind of parts of your personality but your personality is is more than temperament because your personality also depends on on the way you're socialized and and your interactions with the world but temperament more is is just kind of innate and inborn although there are some who are kind of feeling that there are things that can happen in in early the early years of life that have an impact on temperament so it's all kind of fuzzy epigenetic baby i feel yeah, like i've yeah. mentioned epigenetics on the show before yeah, that'd, be, that'd be a whole whole, uh, whole i love series. epigenetics no a whole another series of episodes and i mean part of it goes back to you know this is kind of psychiatry psychology and psychology really isn't a science because nobody can really do good psychological experiments yeah, because how, how do you ethics? do good psychology right because there's no perfect subject there's no perfect no, no perfect control you know there's there's yeah, ethics can't. and so you can't really it, it's it's not the most sciencey it's not the most sciencey of sciences but i got into reading about this and um so back in the olden days i mean ancient, uh you can't see it but jeff has just put on a monocle I, read oh man a I giant gotta, leather tome i gotta tell you sam when i when i got glasses uh about a month ago now i asked about a monocle Oh, yeah. The, Welcome to the Four Eyes crew. It's the great. eye doctor told me that that was not a thing that I could I could do. Um, He's like, I can give you two monocles connected in the middle. Those yeah, are that's what he. Had. Yeah, he said he could connect to connect in the middle, and that's the what what they used to call them the the the, the pince nez, the ones where they, they just hooked onto your nose without the. Oh, without yeah. the, the ear things, I no, I couldn't have those. Like a either. very old timey surgeon who's like, I'm gonna pour brandy on this wound. Yeah, yeah, I, I wanted that's what I was looking for, but uh, no, that's anything. a oh my gosh, anyway, I can't. temperament. Uh, mm, I, mm, I brandy, we got to make a note to talk about brandy. So, anyway, <laughs> Hippocrates, back ancient Greek guy, he comes up, he's got the, the four humors, right? You got your yellow bile and black bile and your phlegm and uh, and blood. Um, I, I'm not sure exactly what phlegm is. is was, was his phlegm the same as our phlegm? I think, I don't know if it was exactly the same, but I think it's definitely tangentially related. I mean, there were a lot of leeches involved. In yeah, this. I, I, it, no, it was probably still sticky and gooey. Yeah, huh? I think it was, it was like sticky, gross, but not as gross as bile. Yeah, yeah. And so, so that's, that was his thing. And he thought, he thought our, our, our health and, and who we were, were kind of tied up in those things. But then a couple centuries later, this guy named Galen of Paragamon, 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 
Pergamon. Galen of Pergamon. Nope. Another, another old-timely dude. Uh, so he took Hippocrates' idea um, and categorized uh, people into their temperaments and came up with the four types of people. And, and they so, were black bile, yellow bile, phlegm, and black. Well, I mean, basically, except he gave them other names. Um, and so this is this is where our ideas of, of temperament began. And so there was there was choleric. There were choleric people. Those are the okay. yellow bile people. Yeah, no, that makes sense. That checks and out. And so um, they were passionate and energetic people who got angry Interesting. quickly. Interesting that yellow is passionate and energetic. I just feel like today that doesn't like the color of like passion is always like red. Yeah, you know? red, pink, purple. Yeah, not, yeah it doesn't not... typically. Anyway, who knows? Who knows? He, <laughs> yeah, yellow, yellow isn't isn't passionate. Yeah, it doesn't is strike it? me as a passionate color, but we're gonna you're gonna get a lot of tweets about that. Yeah, I, I, I bet I bet I won't get a single tweet because I'd have to be on, on Twitter <laughs> and fuck those guys. Uh, and then the next one was melancholic, which is Same. black bile. And these are sad people who get upset easily and have a great artistic sensibility. So I guess the the, the ways of the group. This is this is the this is the this is the goth kids, apparently. Yeah, this is yeah. so you've got the preps and the, the goths. Uh huh. Is, I, and I'm maybe maybe they're kind of emo -y. I'm going to guess blood is going to be the jocks and then whatever the fourth, the phlegm is going to be the nerds. Okay. So sanguine. That's blood. That's the blood. I know Latin. Happy and optimistic people who express affection towards other people and are sure of themselves. That's Gryffindor. <laughs> Temperaments are just Hogwarts houses. <laughs> and then the last one was phlegmatic. Um, which are cold, rational people. Okay, so it is the nerds, the jocks, the goths, and the <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I mean, kind of it is. So which one of these are you? Um, gee, I, I really feel, well, I think everyone is all of them at different points, sure. you know? Um, I would say, I mean, on this scale, re read me Sanguine again. Sanguine is happy and optimistic people who express affection towards other people and are sure of themselves. Yeah, no, I, that, that fits. Although other times I am very sad and artistic minded. <laughs> I'd have to say I'm phlegmatic, cold and rational. <laughs> I, I just don't love that phlegmatic is the word we went with there. <laughs> well, and see, that's the thing. Over time, we kind of moved away from that terminology. Because we were like, hey, humors are nonsense. Yeah, maybe, maybe that's not maybe that's not good. Uh, has blood, but um <laughs> Yeah, we, we there there are there is blood and there is bile and, and there is bile, phlegm. But this is bad. Yeah. And so we'll just we'll just Throw, throw that one away. And I mean, that's, that's, I mean, although I like that terminology compared to what we're, what we're using nowadays, um, uh, it, it's kind of, kind of dated there. I think there is something to be said for, I don't know what to be said, but I think there's something to be said for terminology that's very black and white like that, you know, cause I do feel, and we'll talk about this obviously as we get to more of the like present day temperament conversation. I do feel like sometimes it's very wishy-washy and you're sure. like, well, this child has this temperament, but also this temperament. But if you're reading it from another source and this child is definitely this temperament. Yeah. As opposed to this other temperament. You're like, I don't know what that means. And so, and so all of the, all of the, um, 
traits, the temperamental traits, and there, there are nine of them. We'll go over them in a little bit. And I think what we'll come back and do is a, an episode on each one of them, uh, yeah. just for fun. Because I mean, why not? Why not what? beat the dead horse until it's uh, it's completely obliterated? That's podcasting. <laughs> That's what podcasting is all about. Um, but anyway, each one of those operates on this continuum, and and the only when you're trying to figure out where somebody else is on on these continuums, you got to take into consideration of, of where you are. And, right. and, you know, if, if they're like the, the opposite of where you are, you might, I mean, it's, it's just kind of hard to, to, to get a read on some of these things sometimes, but it, it can be valuable when you're trying to figure out how to interact with a person. And so the, the temperament types that, that were, that are in use nowadays, modern times are, are thus the shy, cautious child. And, and these are all referring to child, but I think they, I mean, and, and I mean, this is, this is people period. And so shy, cautious, these are, these are people who do not adapt to change quickly, but can be engaged with extra effort by drawing them in slowly. They also tend to have mild positive or negative responses to stimuli. Um, and so did you say mild, positive, or negative responses to stimuli? Mild, positive, or negative responses to I mean, stimuli. That's just a response to stimuli. That's, that's all of the responses. Well, well, mild, mild though. Okay, okay. I thought it was mild, comma, positive no. or negative. Mild, positive, posi- positive okay. mild, positive, or negative responses. Um, they are very sensitive to bright lights and sounds too, it says here. That's interestingly specific. And so these are, these are kind of, these are kind of, I mean, these are kind of the shy kids or people. And I think if you think about it, we all know people that would fall readily into that and in into that category pretty easily. The next one is, is flexible, easygoing. And these are people who are highly adaptable to change, changes in routine and environments. Usually they are pleasant and easy to console or comfort. And so that's just kind of the, the middle of the road. They, they're kind of easygoing and, and I mean, easygoing, it's, it's, in, the, it it's in the description. It's what it says on the tin. And, and so, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this child contains, now wouldn't that be great if, if they were, if they were all born with some sort of tin. told you what was inside and you're like, I get it. This yeah. is a shy, cautious child. See, it says right there on the label. Yeah, just right tattooed on the back of the neck or something. Uh, shy, you know, cautious. Mild that, responses to stimuli. I mean, it, that'd be that'd be a lot to get on a tattoo. It'd have to be a barcode. Yeah. Um, yeah. That you would that you would scan with your phone. Barcode. Um, yeah, for sure. But I, I think we're yeah QR. Yeah, I think we're headed that way. And then the other one is the feisty high intensity. See, I feel like feisty high intensity was made when they realized there are some people that are not A or B, so they're like, let's put in a C. Yeah, I thought maybe the flexible was the catch-all that they added i thought you had your shy at the other end actually so these children are strong-willed and and intense they seem to be more irritable and have difficulty adapting to routines and new environments even their sleeping and feeding patterns uh tend to be irregular um and and so through those three groups i've i've met interacted with and and uh married um somebody in each you know (laughs) No, I mean, I, we, we come across these, these, I think when you're, could you sit down with the, the X number of kids in your classroom and divide them all into these categories, knowing that there's some flexibility and, and. I mean, I feel like I could, but I would need to do it every single day. You know, I, cause there are some kids that I, that I do feel like 
can definitely change from day to day or from context to context. I have some children, for example, when I work with them in small groups, they are incredibly outspoken. They love to share their ideas. They are so excited when we're building things or talking about things or we're all in a conversation together. And then we get into a large classroom environment Mm -hmm. and they are in the corner watching and they're watching, but like, if you, if you were a visitor and just came into this classroom, your first reaction would be that kid never speaks. It's like, no, that kid is super talkative, just not in this context. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's, and look, this is kind of like those person, have you ever been on a board, Sam? Have you ever been on a board? Like not like a two by four or something. No, on a, no, on a two by four. I'm, yeah, all the time. I'm, I'm um, like a board of directors? Yeah, or a board of, you know, yeah, that type of. No, but of when thing. I was an RA, we had to do, when I was interviewing to be a resident assistant, we had to do like personality tests. Yeah, that's what I was getting to. Did you, did you ever have to, because you were involved in some group, go through some of that bullshit? I have, I have been through a lot of that bullshit, <laughs> yes. Um, and um, so- I change a lot. I feel like yeah, a bit of a bit of temperament stuff leaves me feeling like some of that stuff did. Like it's like yes. it's hocus pocus, BSE kind of stuff. Yeah. Like but, it's just sort of it's looking to categorize people, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but that's always going to be very complicated because people are, you know, by by our nature, we change in cir- in different circumstances. Yeah, and we change, you know, based on things that have happened to us or things that are going to happen to us. I'm a very different person when I'm tired than when I'm well rested. Yeah, yeah, and so I I do kind of like I approach everything with a bit of skepticism. Approach approach yeah. this, and I've also had experiences when it's become it's it's been a really handy tool for helping me kind of figure out the dynamic of a situation um, when I'm working with somebody, either either with kids or, or other adults. And so- Absolutely. And I think that's definitely the key takeaway from like all of those sorts of things is if you want to, you know, think about children's temperament, by all means, please do. And like look up ideas and resources because it's an incredible tool and an incredible resource. But don't think that that's the prescription for the child. Yeah. Don't anticipate that's exactly who they are all the time. And that that is 100% where you need to be focused yeah. on being with that child. Because I think that will definitely get in the way of building a more authentic relationship with them. If your only concern is about, oh, you know, they're, they're such a, um, there's such an easygoing, flexible temperament. I don't have to worry too much about, you know, doing this or that. They'll be fine. I feel like then you kind of start to miss out if you're only seeing a child as a temperament and not as yeah. Susie or Kevin. Yeah. So I, I, I mean, it's a good tool to have in your tool belt an understanding of temperament, but it shouldn't be your only, the only tool in your box. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Definitely a great tool. I mean, it's definitely helped me sometimes. I feel like one of the things that helps me with a lot when, like when I get a better understanding of a child's temperament, I feel like I definitely understand their parents better. Oh, sure. Sure. That helps me a lot. Or it helps me learn how to talk to their parents better because their parents might have like a completely opposite temperament than their child or might be exactly the same. I'm like, great. I know exactly how to approach this family Yeah. because I've seen them a few times. I've seen the way they interact with their child, how their child interacts with them and how their child interacts in other contexts. And now I kind of understand that relationship better. Everyone in their family is very quiet and gets very nervous when things change. 
So I'm, <laughs> I know how to talk to them or like, oh, okay. They don't understand why their child is very upset and angry, like crying about changing things all the time. This is helpful for me to know because now I can approach the conversation knowing that like a little bit of information about separation anxiety or whatnot is going to be really helpful for that family because that clearly you know they're flexible easygoing that doesn't ever come to mind for them yeah and 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 i think another thing to remember about these is that there's no um there's no good or bad of any on any of these these this this isn't and people tend to tend i mean Let's be honest, the feisty high intensity kids. They assume those are bad kids. They they get labeled as, as bad kids and, and we, we they they get a negative spin attached to them right away uh, in a lot of in a lot of caregiving situations. And that isn't isn't a good thing. And so one of the things that the temper temperament literature um, wants wants people to be very clear on is this isn't a positive negative thing. This is just right. these are just is, categories. Right. You can it's it's a very in as far as possible, it's attempting to be a very neutral scale. It's not aligning itself morally, which it shouldn't be. And there's no reason to assign kids that sort of moral objectivity in who they are, um, therefore, or three or whatever. So I think that that is super, super important. I think a lot of times teachers see like a very feisty child, a very talkative child, a very high intensity child, um, a child who's moving around a lot, a child who talks to a lot of different people or goes from activity to activity to activity and instantly thinks that's a bad thing. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think if they saw for a lot of those teachers, if they saw this, you know, Oh, there's a temperament called feisty high intensity. It's like, Oh yeah, that's, you know, that's so-and-so and and they're, they're such a handful. Um, I have had people like actually tell me like bad kids once I had somebody ask me um, in the middle of the day when we're eating lunch, me and one of my feisty high intensity children um, asked me, within earshot of other children, is he the worst you've ever had? <laughs> and I was like, I don't understand your question. And then I kept eating my pasta. <laughs> that was weird. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think of a, a, a deeper understanding of, of temperaments can maybe help you move away from that labeling kids, good, bad, that kind of thing. It's just, it, it's kind of like understanding uh, play schema theory a little bit deeper. Um, and you realize that kids need to spin and they need to throw stuff yeah, and they, exactly. and all those kind of stuff. Uh, it, it helps you understand those children as, as individual beings trying to make it through the world instead of that kid being bad and trying to, to trying to slowly drive or quickly drive you insane. Yeah, quickly, a lot of the times. Yeah, that's a lot okay. of the time. Um, but- no, I, I think that that's, that's a really important point is that if you're using it as sort of like a framework for how you're viewing how this child is interacting with the world, then you can now adjust the world to meet their needs. You don't yeah. have to adjust them to meet some ridiculous expectation of how your three-year-olds are going to walk in a line when you go to the lunchroom or whatever. Yeah. Like you now understand, oh, I know more about this child now. This child gets really stressed out when things are changing and this is a big transition for them. They don't like going to the lunchroom. It's very noisy. The lights are very, like it's bright fluorescent lighting in there. So how am I going to support this child during this transition? Instead of just, just like thinking, oh, come on, stop crying. We, we got to go. 
Yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, a, a big hunk of that is is understanding your own temperament better to to see how that influences how you're interacting with people because my guess is is people that tend to label that high feisty high intensity kid as bad probably aren't aren't feisty high intensity people themselves most of the time they probably and they probably don't hang out with a lot of feisty high intensity people sure because that's not what they're that's not what they're like oh no i don't like that i don't like um big sounds or bright lights so i will not be I'll be going over there. Yeah, yeah, and so and so it sets up this uh, this I don't know what hmm. bubble. Well, yeah, they put themselves in this bubble, but it, it sets up this this friction, this tension Definitely. between the caregiver of one temperament type and the kid or kids yeah. of another. Trying, when you said temperament um, in the. In, on the, like the episode suggestion list. I was actually really interested about this idea of teacher temperament. Um, and I tried to look up a few things. There's not a ton that I could find, but it definitely, the point you just said was a, was in some of the things I was reading about how a teacher's temperament is gonna be directly related to how they interact with other children of whatever temperament. The teachers that are more flexible, easygoing, you know, they're gonna kind of go with the flow. Whatever a kid throws at them, they're gonna be a little more understanding, a little more thinking on their feet with how to handle it. The teachers that are more shy, cautious are probably going to try and lay down the law a little bit quicker or defer to somebody else in those situations. Again, and get walked all over. It. Yeah, just like, okay, whatever. That You can stand on the table, it's fine. Um, there's also, there was a, there was a piece, I didn't read it because it was behind a paywall, um, but I read the abstract about teacher temperaments with relation to burnout. And I thought that was very interesting, just as a sort of theory, like how a person's temperament impacts how quickly they become morally fatigued in this job. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's almost time to wrap up, but I wanted to go through these these nine uh, temperament tra- traits of temperament um, quickly, and then we'll probably come back and do episodes of them. And so, and so the first one is activity level. Um, what act, so is the is the child very active or kind of sedentary? And there's that that that, that continuum where you right, put them on. And and I mean, you can write yourself on all these too. Where would you put yourself? Are you highly active or? I would, I feel like if there's, if there's five notches, right? Mm -hmm. Like one through five, I feel like I'm a four. Four. Yeah. And, and the the next one is biological rhythms. And this is sleep patterns and eating patterns and those kind of things. They're either really predictable on one end or, or they're kind of chaotic on the other end of the spectrum. I'd say it's still a, about a three or a four. You're going to be a solid four, middle of the road all the way. Yeah, no, I'm like a solid four. (laughs) <laughs> it's like wow this is the most boring person we could have picked to do a continuum and the next one is sensitivity um and and that can be kind of uh, an emotional sensitivity i think but also a sensitivity to to sounds and and, and stimulation as well and either yeah, you're that's, that's interesting that the emotional sensitivity and like the physical stimuli would be together because i feel like i'm not very i'm maybe like a two for like business like if kids are yelling or stuff, I don't mind. Like I, it doesn't, it's, I, I work with some teachers who like loud noises bother them. Um, like a lot of different, like flashing lights, that kind of thing bothers them. It does not bother me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I am like a five for emotionally sensitive. I'm a little baby. I, everything, I take everything extremely personally. <laughs> 
it's a problem I have. Um, and I'm very sensitive. Okay, I'll, I'll be gentle. Um, <laughs> next one is intensity of reaction. And this is those people who, who react to everything like the sky is falling or uh-huh. they have almost no pulse. Now, again, because I have an anxiety disorder, I'm going to say I'm a five. <laughs> because everything is is the worst thing that could happen or the best thing that's ever happened. I do feel like, like trying to think outside of myself. Um, I think some of the people I work with would probably say I'm like a, a three, four, like a four or a five because mm-hmm. of how excited I get about what they would consider very mundane things that happen in the classroom. Like um, a child asked me today to like to come over and look at a hole they were digging and I was with them for like three minutes. And I'm like, and what else is in the hole? Why do you think it's so easy to dig there right now? Are those rocks or are those just like packed dirt? And they, they would not spend their time doing that. And that's fine. Um, but I think that they would consider that like an intense reaction to he's digging in the dirt. <laughs> See, I, I have almost no pulse for any of that stuff i would i i got surprised i mean the surprises I, I was out in the forest the other day with the uh, with the dogs and i mean i'm technically trespassing i guess there's there aren't any signs but i mean i assume somebody owns the uh, property because it's not a public park and anyway Wait, i'm gonna pause you for a second okay you said, you said the word trespassing and my heart rate instantly went up i'm now very like that makes me nervous i'm like yeah. oh no the law yeah and so we're we're walking along in the forest and we've we've been trespassing here for two years um and and then we're we're kind of paused under this big maple tree and we're we're just kind of standing there sniffing around and then and then this voice says this is private property this this loud booming human voice in the middle of the forest yeah i would have cried (laughs) uh i i paused and looked around for a second and and said are you a magical talking tree? Um, be yes. <laughs> well, because because I knew there was there was a, a there was a, a deer stand not too far away. So I I just as soon as I heard the voice, I knew. I mean, it's it's the dude who owns the land, and he's sitting in his his deer blind, and uh, and he's letting us know that we're we're trespassing. And so I had to come back with a my pulse doesn't go up at all. I come back with a smart smart act remark, and he says his response. There, there's a, there's an involuntary laugh, and he's like. No, I'm not a magical talking tree. <laughs> no, what? Why do you think that? I don't even look like a tree. And he's like, I'm like, would you like us to leave? And he's like, yeah. <laughs> please, please go. And and so we left, but but my pulse didn't go up. I I mean, there wasn't there wasn't any tense reaction to that. And and I know I know plenty of people who who would have jumped up in the air and peed themselves. Yeah, no, um, that's yeah. 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 And so, I mean, that's just how, how different people are. The next one is adaptability. How flexible are you when things change? Oh, I'm a five. I'm like a seven. (laughs) Hell yeah. (laughs) But also I think it's important. That's most likely a product of my upbringing, right? Because I moved every two and a half. Yeah. I was going to ask that part of being a military brat. Yeah, I like, I have no, I have very little attachment to like places. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm very used to it. All of, all of the friends I have can tell you, I am, I am so, ter- like, I, I'm terrible at saying goodbye because mm-hmm. I've done it so often. It's just like, it doesn't, it doesn't pay. I don't, like, I feel genuinely sad, but I'm like, yeah, I've been here before. This sucks. 
Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so, so that's kind of where, where temperament meets personality, right? Because, because yeah. of your upbringing, because of, I mean, all of the, all the realities of your childhood that kind of, yep. kind of influence you. And so there, I mean, there, there is a lot of flexibility here. Next one is, is a post approach withdrawal. Um, and what's, what's that one? That's how, how easily, um, in new situations, whether you, you kind of are adventurous towards them or whether you withdraw from them, I think is what that one is. I've just got the list here. I don't have all yeah. the breakdowns Ooh, right in front of me. That's but... interesting. Um, I'm probably like a negative seven. Uh, I get really nervous about everything um, all the time. Here's, here's a fun real life example. Um, my husband and I, there's now a climbing gym near where we live. And we joined the gym and I had been, the last time I was climbing, um, oh, it was probably like 15 years ago or something. Like, no, like maybe 10, 11 years ago. Um, it's been a long time. And I'm not like a climber by any means. I had just enjoyed it when I had done it. And we're like, cool, it's this gym thing we can do. And we go on the first day and, um, we like have to take a tour with the group and like a little group of people who are also there. And there's, so there's climbing, which is, which has ropes and then bouldering, which doesn't bouldering is obviously not a stall. Um, and they're like, so the ropes aren't open, but you can do some bouldering. It's like, Oh, I've, I've never done that before. And you know, I'll probably, probably pass on that. But thank you. He's like, so I need everybody to model, you know, climbing and then falling to make sure you all know how to do it. And then we'll keep going. It's like, Oh, I've never, I've never actually done it before. So I'm, I'm not gonna do it. He's like, no, it's cool. So you just climb up and you fall. I was like, no, I don't, I don't like this. I'm not comfortable. And I almost started to cry. I was so like, I was so overwhelmed with this new thing that now I had to do in front of these other people. And I didn't know what it was. My husband, never been bouldering, walks up to the wall, climbs all the way up and he jumps off. He's like, this is great. This is great. Your turn, Sam. I'm like, no, I think I'd rather go home and die. Actually. Yeah. Did you have to go I, home and practice falling down alone? What did you have to go home and practice falling down alone no, so you'd be I, able to do I, it? I ended up doing. I I went later um, than everybody else, and I climbed up about two. They're called holds, like the weird, colorful rocks in the wall. Mm -hmm. uh, I climbed up, and I'm oh maybe three and a half, four feet off the ground. Um, and they're like, "Yeah, so now you just fall backwards." I'm like, I don't. I just fall. They're like, you just let go and fall. I was like, oh, I don't know if I can do that i was probably up there for a minute like just hang on like i feel like i can just climb down you know i can just climb like well you gotta you gotta practice falling like in, in case you slip i was like well i just won't do it ever just ever. i just won't um i did eventually do it and i hated every moment of it and i wanted to peel my skin off so <laughs> Why do they, do they run electrical current through the hand, through, through the holes just so that they, and that's why you need to fall good because you might get a shock and it's, it's, it's so that you, it's so that you have some practice in case you slip basically so yeah. that you're not trying to land on your face. Yeah, I can, I can get that. Um, so, so kind of hard time kind of, oh, uh, I'm terrible at it with withdrawing and that kind of stuff. I am Next. so, I, I'm very withdrawn. I don't like you. Like, it's funny, right? I feel like I'm a relatively outgoing person. Um, and I feel like a lot of people, like, especially that I don't know super well, but like have sort of that parasocial relationship with, like I strike them as a very outgoing person and mm -hmm. very self-assured and confident. I'm like, no, I'm probably crying in the bathroom. Yeah. 
Yeah, I get that. I, I'm, I'm not crying in the bathroom. I just prefer to withdraw. I would just, I would rather not be there. Next one is persistence. Um, this is, what is it? Uh, on one end, you get your stick to I yeah. guess. And the other is, and eh, no, I give up. Um, I, I would say it depends on the time frame. Um, like, is this like, because there are some things I will stop doing and then come back to later. Mm-hmm. Like, especially if I've reached a point of frustration. Yeah. Um, I've learned it's it's better for me to like come back to it later. And that includes interacting with other humans. Sure. Um, where I will say like, let's come back to this conversation because you're speaking to me in a very rude way and I don't like that. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, there, there are some things I feel that I can, I'm, I'm super persistent about and the other things I'm like, eh. And I guess that that's all based on kind of my interest level, I guess. Right. And I think it's important to remember that it'll be the same way with children, right? Like if it's like, oh, this child, you know, is, is terrible at writing and has a horrible pencil grip and excuse me, you know, doesn't, you know, is, isn't doing well in these things and won't just won't try. And it's like, yeah. do they actually like it? Or are they just like way more interested in the other group of kids that's building? Like, yeah. Like, is it their fault? Yeah. Yeah. Next one is distractibility. Either oh, yeah. easily distractibility or you're laser focused. Again, I would say it's definitely situation dependent, but I'm, I'm relatively distractible. Uh, what, what, um, yeah. Sorry, uh, what is it? And the last one is mood. Um, and it's either you're, you're generally a positive mood person or a, a inclined towards more negativity. I'm generally inclined towards a positive mood, but I'm also very morose sometimes. <laughs> you're, a, you're a complicated creature, Sam. I really am. So, I mean, that, that's the nine and we're going to, we're going to come back in future episodes. I don't know if it'll be a, an episode on each of them, but we're going to break them down a little bit more and go into more detail about each one of those and, and, and unpack this because I think it is a, a valuable tool. And, and I'm really we'll toss this in here because after 760 episodes of the podcast, we really haven't spent a lot of time talking about temperament. So I thought there, yeah. there's a need in the, uh, the archives. And, and again, for- it's a really, it's a really good resource. It's a really good tool. It's not a prescription by any means. Yeah. Yeah, but it yeah. is something useful to have an awareness of and knowledge of and just kind of a a guidebook in a yeah. way yeah so that is this episode we will be back with another one before we go gotta gotta do some plugging um uh if you're looking for online trainings in the coming year you got to go to explorationsearlylearning.com and check stuff out sam is doing some sessions uh host uh, nicole and Kristen are doing some sessions tamar jacobson is going to be back with some sessions melinda marshall uh family child care provider extraordinaire is going to work with me on some sessions specifically focused towards uh, family child care providers. A lot of stuff going on. 50 plus sessions coming up in the next year um, there for you. And, um, you know, check them out if you're looking for that kind of stuff. If you want to go to go to trainings and not have to, you know, leave the couch or put on pants, it's the perfect opportunity. Very, very important. Although I I prefer you to wear pants. I mean, yeah, hey, what as we discussed, you could listen to them in the bathtub if you want to do that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you actually could. Just don't tell me about it and keep your video off, please, I guess. Um, I don't know. This the plug has gone horribly wrong. This has been the Child Care Bar and Grill Podcast. Back soon, headed off to the pizza farm. Bye-bye. See you there.
I really want a pizza box. Like that just sounds so good. What about pizza childcare? <gasps> pizza themed childcare. I'm just adjusting my window. Pizza. This has been an Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio production. Oh.